The Lord be with you. Um, the, uh, we'll do a Bible study. It's a good thing. And we'll probably look at the sermon text from today and a little bit around it. Uh, I must say my, my preparation went more sermon than Bible study. And I, I don't have a good reason for that. But I, I, I will say that, that um, you know, we've, we've kind of been rolling from one topic to another. And uh, there hasn't been a, shall we say, a structure and a plan to, at least for me anyway, I'm, I'm a crisis manager. What can I say? And right now this is a crisis for me. No. <laughs> um, let's start with prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we try to understand your ways and the suffering that you put upon your Son so that we could have eternal life, his innocent blood shed so that our guilt and sin could be taken away. And then we wonder why we have to suffer ourselves still. As we walk through this life and carry our cross, we ask that you would always be with us, beside us, and hold us and remind us of the salvation we have through faith in your Son. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The lament over Jerusalem. Um, I'll just read this. Actually, this uh, I'm reading out of the ESV version. And it uh, opens in chapter 31, or chapter 31. Verse 31 of chapter 13 with at that very hour, which connects it to the previous verse, whereas I referenced in my sermon, I'm sorry, uh, this is Luke 13, and we'll actually be starting at 22. So this pericope, fancy word for section, um, starts referencing the one before, which is the narrow door. And if we read that, it says, he went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. And some said, someone said to him, Lord, who will those, I'm sorry, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God but you yourselves cast out. And people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first and some are first who will be last. Um, it speaks of this narrow door, which is faith in Christ. There is no other way. And that's uh, hard for non-Christians and other religions to tolerate uh, when... You know, you want to have all this ecumenicism and all religions, you know, are good. And we all, I'm not saying this, I'm saying they say this. You know, we all, um, we all worship the same God. And, you know, whether you are, you're a Buddhist or, you know, Hindu or a, a 
a Jew or a Muslim, whatever, you know, we all worship the same God. Well, there is only one God, um, but God deals with us through Christ and no other way. Um, he wants to be known through Christ and the work of Christ. So that is the narrow door. Um, <clears throat> so in the second coming, um, there are going to be those that say, but, but you know, God, we, we praised you and, and we prayed to you. Well, you didn't do it through the narrow door. You didn't come through Christ and his work. Um, so they'll be told to depart. Um, the, um, and people will come from east and west, north and south, and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And this, if you look at Luke, and, and you've heard Dr. Just talk before, there's this whole issue and, and theme of table fellowship through Luke and the travels of Jesus. And this is that reclining at the table that the that uh, was done by the apostles when they ate with Jesus, the Last Supper, they reclined to the table and Jesus instituted the, the Lord's Supper, his supper with them. Uh, the road to Emmaus, where the disciples are walking with Jesus the whole time after the resurrection and they don't know who he is and he's hid himself from them and he's talking and teaching them from the Old Testament and the prophets about himself and then, well, why don't you stay? It's getting late. No, I've got to go on. No, stay. Okay, I'll stay. And he sits down at the table with them, and they recline at the table, and he breaks bread, and boom. They just, this is Christ. They realize who it is. And so the people coming from the east, west, north, and south, that, I mean, that's just people from all over the earth that will come to Christ and come to God through Christ when they hear of um, salvation by grace through faith. Um, so some who are last will be first, and some who are first will be last. And this was the Pharisees. Um, they thought they were first. They had done everything right. They uh, kept the law. They, you know, oversaw the people. They were the keepers of the temple. Um, and they were the ones worthy and uh, when Jesus said, you know, the last or the least will be first, these were the, uh, the sinners, the prostitutes, the tax collectors that he ate and fellowshiped with that he brought into the kingdom. The people that lined up to be baptized by John when they stood off and scoffed and he called them a brood of vipers that Jesus called, or John called the Pharisees, a brood of vipers. Um, so then we get to the, the sermon text, which was 31 through 35. And after hearing this, at that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And that, I was telling um, Pastor Ullman, you know, I look at all these commentaries and you read this, and my gosh, the, the theories into what the, the Pharisees were trying to do. Um, Jesus is in Galilee or an area thereof. He's not in Jerusalem. And they're telling him to get away because you're in Herod's territory and he wants to kill you. And there's really no evidence 
That threat has not been made, but as I said before, his father did try and kill Jesus early in his life. Uh, but Herod killed John the Baptist. So he got tricked into that, though. He really didn't want to. Um, I guess maybe he was somewhat fascinated in a way, but not believing of John. John the Baptist, uh, shall we say, persecuted Herod, pointing out his flaw in having married his brother's wife and, and uh, was, you know, condemning him of his sin. But, um, but, you know, get out of here. Some thoughts were they were trying to uh, drive him to Jerusalem quicker. Well, if he leaves Galilee, we know he's going to Jerusalem. Get out of here. Okay, I'm going on down the road, and I'll get there faster and get to where they wanted him to be because they were going to be in control there. That's where they were going to do their work. I don't think at this point they actually had it planned out. They hadn't talked to Judas. They didn't have him betrayed in a way. They were still figuring out how are we going to get this guy. But they knew it would have to happen there. Um, but, you know, Jesus tells them, go tell that fox. Go tell Herod. And he lists all these things he's going to do. Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today. He cures healing people. And tomorrow and, and the third day, I finish my course. So he, he knows where he's going. He knows what the end will be. But then this nevertheless, you know, um, I don't, what does your, your Bible say what? Not nevertheless, but it says in any case, right? In any case. Um, you know, in, in four days, I got to go have surgery, and the doctor says, yeah, it might go good, might not, but eh, oh well, today I'm going to go do this. You know, I mean, nevertheless, you know, it, it's like, this is what I've got to do. Uh, I must go on my way today, tomorrow, and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. And in looking at the prophets, a, a lot of the prophets died in Jerusalem, more died there than I think any place else, any other single place. Um, not all the prophets were sawn in half like Isaiah. Um, some did die peacefully, uh, but, uh, but Jerusalem was not a place, you know, for prophets to go and uh, live out their elderly years. It was a place of persecution. Um, so he knows he has to go there. The, uh, but the, the, the gathering of the, um, of the children in the children, meaning the people, all of them, and they're all his children, they're all his children, uh, in Jerusalem, and, he, and this lament he has. I mean, he knows what's coming. He has to go to Jerusalem, and there they are going to cry, crucify him. And he's like, oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. it it's just a, you know, it, it's not a condemning, you know, oh, Jerusalem, you're going to get it. it it's, it's a... It's a heartfelt concern for Jerusalem and this lament that they just will not turn. And this is the, the, I guess, the lament of God for all people. I mean, God wants all people to be saved. Uh, and when people don't turn to him and have faith in his son, uh, that 
you know, I mean, there's God's righteous judgment, but there's his love for all creation that he has made. And when people deny that, and that's what the end of this says, you would not. You would not. You wouldn't give assent to the fact that this is the Christ and this is what you need and, and this is how you'll be saved. You want to go your own way. Um, so Jerusalem, O oh Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you would not. And, you know, pa- I'm sorry. <laughs> Pastor Feeney's, you know, fond of the, and you can all see him up there doing it, the hen that, you know, gathers her chicks. And it, it's very true. It's, it's what they do. Um, they shelter them um, and try and get them under, but not all would come still even for that. So there's these threats, and all these threats are of the devil that would draw people away and kill them. Um, so it, for Jerusalem, it was the Pharisees. It was their you know, desire to... Uh, have their own way and have their their fancy lifestyle and and be the greatest, you know, and in control. Uh, for others, it was money. For others, it was influence over people. For others, it was just their physical needs and lustful desires that they would not give up, if you will, or would not recognize as sin and, and repent of. Um, and this, behold, your house is forsaken. And forsaken comes from loosed. And in, in some places in the Bible, this, this is, the word is translated as, you know, like sins being loosed or sins being let go or sins being forgiven. But this is loosed in the, in the sense of um, left to judgment or abandonment. It's just, you know, go do it. You know, I mean, you, you, you are forsaken. Um, th- this is where it's hard for us to understand where um, God will take unrepentant sinners and just say, okay, go be in your sin. And, you know, I've tried. And I'm still here. I'm always here. And when you're ready to turn, turn back to me. But he gives them over. He did this to uh, Pharaoh in Egypt. You know, for the first time, I got to look this up specifically, but it's like the first five plagues, it's Pharaoh hardens his heart, and then then it's God hardened Pharaoh's heart. He gave him over to his willful desires. Um, and I think that happens a lot in our culture today, where people just get so caught up in sinful actions, whatever it is, and God says, go ahead. You know, it, it, it's not for your good. It's not going to work out well, but there's no other way that people will learn. Um, and some never do. They get, you know, they, they get drawn off. And, and some of these people just never come to faith. But it, it you know, we, we know people who walk away from the faith. They're baptized. They're, um, and, and they don't. Uh, pay attention, I guess you will, to the things of God. They don't come and hear his word. They don't receive his sacraments. They aren't strengthened in their faith, and, and they don't stay in God's word. And therefore, they are tempted beyond what they themselves can handle without the help of God.
Um, let's see. And I tell you, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, there's, there's, that, that is Palm Sunday, of course, where he comes into Jerusalem and, you know, they, they cry out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, it's his uh, coming in the final resurrection in the last day where all creation will cry out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, it's also what we get in the divine service when we say blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, that Christ comes to us uh, in his sacrament. So those who uh, do not receive that believing then, now, in the sacrament, they will believe it on the last day. All will be raised, all will confess, and some will confess to their damnation, and those who have faith in Christ will be raised and confess to their eternal life um, as, as the gift God has given them. So uh, that, there's several ways that comes. For the Pharisees, it was, you know, that you're forsaken, you know, you're, you're done, basically. Um, so, in my sermon, what I really focused on was this, um, this, at this very hour, and then go tell that fox. And then nevertheless, you know, this fox is the devil. It's, it's everyone who would um, try and get us to deny Christ, to try and tell us lies and uh, get us not to believe. They were trying to get Jesus to turn away from, you know, possibly turn away from his end goal, his end uh, course, his crucifixion, death, and resurrection. Wasn't going to happen. But certainly the devil tries to get us to turn away from Christ and to turn away from our faith. And uh, that's where, you know, we have to be in church and be, be getting strengthened by God's word and by his sacraments. Um, but this nevertheless, you know, where Jesus knows what's going to happen. He's like, but I got to go on and I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to cure people and I got to heal people and I got to cast out demons because this is the will of his father. It's what he was sent to do. It's part of his mission of uh, mercy and compassion and teaching, which is what he's done all along to this point to show himself to be the Christ. Um, these, these proofs. And they went on with the apostles for a, a period of time until the apostles were gone and then now Christ comes through his word that he's given you know until the New Testament was written and the book was completed um, there were still these these physical proofs that what they were saying was true um, so the idea that he's going to die knows it and he keeps going on doing his father's will and uh, that's, you know, kind of the point of, of the sermon I had is that we know we are all going to die. 
I, I have, uh, I've, I've seen so many people that, uh, or had seen so many people that woke up in a hospital bed and had no idea how they got there. Just one day they were doing their normal thing and literally at, at, at times, two months later, they would come off the sedation, their head would finally clear and they're like, what happened? You know, somewhere in the middle of rehab. What happened? Well, you had a stroke and you went down and all the da 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 And it makes you wonder, you know, is that how I might have it happen? That, you know, I end up in that way or maybe you think you might end up that way or is it a car accident or how? How is it God will call you home? don't know. But nevertheless, we go on every day and do the work he has put out before us to do, raising our kids, teaching them, coming to church, receiving the sacraments, listening to his word, and trusting in him that when the time comes, it's his time, it's not ours, and he has it planned out. Um, that's, that's real hard to come to grips with. It's, it's very hard without faith in, in a God that loves you and that is sacrificed for you and uh, would give himself for the forgiveness of your sins and give you eternal life. Without that faith, then you're um, the Google people, the Amazon people that want to figure out how to maintain their bodies for the next 50 or 60 years in some sort of cryogenic state so they can reawaken their brains and put them on other bodies. And Yeah. I don't like the cold in Indiana. I'm not too big on going into a tank full of liquid nitrogen at negative 600-something degrees. You know, you're going to have to wrap me in a pretty good blanket for that one. Um, but they have no concept of God, Christ, and eternal life. All they see is, I gotta keep what I have right now. I gotta keep my riches and my wealth. And I wonder if they plan for that. You know, how do they know they're not gonna get thought out and I mean if they could get thought out in 100, 150 years and their kids have squandered their wealth and you know they're hey welcome back Paul you're a pauper uh, we have a bill for you here for 100 years worth of storage and uh, <laughs> so we're going to go put you to work in this work camp um whew, no uh we, we can't imagine the glory that God has for us waiting um the freedom to be without sin and I know that every day your sin has to bother you because I know mine bothers me. And those things we don't want to do that we do and those things we should do that we don't do. Um, but we're forgiven. And so nevertheless, we go on with faith and do what we should do and do what's given to us to do. Um, I don't know. Thoughts? Ideas? I open the floor. That's dangerous. <laughs> it's now time to play 
Stump the assistant pastor. No, let's not do that. Um, <laughs> that's an easy... Oh, thanks, Mom. Okay. <laughs> Looking at the book of Revelation, what does that mean? Yeah, I know. That was my number one piece of advice from uh, professors of the seminary. When you get to a congregation and don't ask, what should we do a Bible study on? Because they'll all go, Revelation. He goes, you don't want to do the book of Revelation for at least about five years. <laughs> you know, he goes cover it, but no, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, you know, the, the thief on the cross, you know, where Jesus turns to him and says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And I mean, we know our bodies are in the grave and, and they await a bodily resurrection where they'll be joined with our spirits, with our souls, but our souls are in heaven and we don't exactly know what that means. We're with Christ, awaiting the resurrection. Um, so, it, you know, we're not up there, nobody's up there down there looking down at us, going, oh, yeah, that's what's going on. But, but we're in the presence of Christ. Um, and then our bodies will be resurrected in the last day. So, yeah, your address changes. Um, I don't think anybody's got his forwarding address to drop him a card. But, uh, and... And the other thing is, you know, we don't look to those people like Reverend Graham or somebody else that's gone before and say, well, they're there and they're with Jesus. So I'm, I'm going to pray to my father, Jim, to talk to Jesus for me. That, that's not why they're there. They're there waiting for the resurrection. They, we, we pray to God the Father, through Christ his Son. And that's our communication. It's not through the saints. It's not through those who have gone before us. It's through Christ. In the name of Jesus is what we pray. That, that goes back to we don't go to the woods and stand under a tree and go, oh God, you're so powerful. Look at this huge redwood you've made and I just, you're just glorified. God is glorified in a redwood, yes. But that's not how he wants us to know him. He wants us to know him through Christ and the love Christ has shown to us through his suffering, death, and resurrection. Um, yeah. What else? It's going to be short and we're out of donuts. <laughs> You'll have to go in the kitchen and heat up lasagna or something. I don't know. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, thank you to, to the uh, elders last Wednesday. That was a pretty pretty good spread. I understand. I did not come down here because my eyes would have swollen shut. So um, that's just a small problem I have. Um, let's see. Okay. Well, if nobody's got anything else, I will go short here and call it. So we'll close with prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we give thanks for your son. We give thanks for his being willing to say nevertheless and go about the work you have given him and to go to Jerusalem, to his death, and ultimately to his resurrection where he has brought us eternal life. We give thanks for the gift of faith you have given us, the hope we have in that same resurrection. And we pray that all would come to you. We pray especially for those that we love who 
seem not to understand, that you would give us words of wisdom to speak to them in ways that would help them understand the, the love and compassion you've shown and the, and the gift of salvation you offer them as well. As we approach Easter, we ask that many would come to you and see this wonderful gift, this wonderful joy that is present on that day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.